Amen. We are going to turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. Uh, again, we welcome those who are visiting here. We're glad that you could be with us. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and particularly Luke 1, in the last couple of weeks. And this afternoon, we're picking up another portion of that as Mary visits Elizabeth. And uh, we are going to read then verses 39 to 45 of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. So here's what God's Word says there. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We thank the Lord for his word. May it be indeed a blessing for us in this afternoon hour. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, I suppose that all of us, to a great deal, find ourselves waiting in our lives. But our children probably know as much about waiting as anybody, and maybe it's partly because when they have to wait, it's a bigger percentage of their time of their lives than it is for us who are a little bit older. They have to wait for their parents to pick them up. They have to wait for the bus. They can hardly wait for their birthday. They can hardly wait for Christmas to come or for their grandparents to arrive at their home, maybe for their birthday, maybe for Christmas, maybe for some other holiday. Maybe they, they can't wait until they can have a friend to stay overnight and they can have a sleepover. Maybe that's something that can be done during a weekend or during the holiday time. And when those times arrive and when those people arrive, happiness comes along with it. And we see that in the eyes and faces and the, the reactions of our children. Such is true about the arrival of Jesus Christ also. Even before he was born, Jesus brings a joyful response as he arrives at the home of Elizabeth. And when we consider the, the wait for his coming and what would occur because of his coming, it's no wonder that joy and happiness are part of the godly response. And so this afternoon, we want to take a moment to focus on the overall godly response to Christ's arrival as Mary, the mother of the Lord, comes to her cousin Elizabeth. They are both products, both these women, of the miraculous and remarkable power and grace and plans of the covenant God to his people in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to think about the leaping for joy, uh, the humble amazement, and then also the blessed faith here. 
But first we look at the, the leaping for joy. Now, this, again, this isn't just a meeting of two women, but of two women whose pregnancies were both miraculously foretold and miraculously realized. One of the things that is emphasized by the passage, as we see as we read it, is that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy at the greeting of the mother of the Lord to Elizabeth. We hear that twice in the passage, so that's a significant. Now the idea of leaping in the New Testament is not one that's broadly used. Uh, in fact, for the most part, it's confined to what Luke pens, both in Luke here and in the book of Acts, which is also, of course, the book that he had penned. It's also not a large subject in the Old Testament either. Two places that it is interestingly occurring include both Genesis 35, verse 22, when the two brothers, Jacob and Esau, are leaping in the womb, uh, but then also in Isaiah 35, verse 6, that speaks about the leaping of the lame for joy as Isaiah foretells the coming deliverance and salvation of the Lord. Now, the time that it occurs in Genesis between the two babies, those two babies are in conflict. That's not the case here with the babies of Elizabeth and the baby of Mary. Joy instead of tension is the result of this leaping. As the mother of the Lord greets the mother of the forerunner of the Lord. And in a loud voice of thanks and praise, like that of the thankful hope in Luke 17, verses 15 and 16 by the leper, and the joyous throng at Palm Sunday in Luke 19, verse 37, Elizabeth reflects the moment. This leaping is remarkable for various reasons. One of the reasons is the very fact that already in the womb of the, this child who is yet to be born is viewed scripturally as someone who's a person, as one who responds to the greeting of the mother of the Lord. Beyond that, however, we see that the leaping is a remembering of the prophecy of old. But it's also anticipating of what the forerunner is meant to do anyway in fulfilling Isaiah 35. This rarely used word of leaping in the New Testament is mostly used to address the great deliverance and the transformation, the change that God has planned in the coming of his Son. Our passage, as I mentioned, says twice that the baby of, of, of Elizabeth leaped in the womb of his mother. Now, two other passages in Acts, Luke speaks to us there about situations that are related to this passage in Luke chapter 1. The first one is in Acts 3, verse 2. And in Acts 3, verse 2, we read about a Jewish person who is described literally as the one who was lame, lame from his mother's womb. 
In essence, he would not have been able to leap from the womb. He was lame from his mother's womb. And then there's a, a Gentile counterpart of this uh, in Acts chapter 14, verse 8. He also, we read there, was lame from his mother's womb. But in both cases, what do we read that these people who seem so different from John the Baptist do? Well, in the end, they both end up leaping for joy, like John the Baptist did in the womb of his mother. One in Acts 3, verse 8, and the other in Acts 14, 10. The leaping of John is certainly for the arrival of Jesus, but it was also a forerunning, you see. It was declaring that the kingdom, the work, the power, and that renewing change of God that was coming and promised from so long ago had finally come. And that's the reason for the joy. That's the reason for the praise. That's the reason for the loud, uh, the loud voice. That's the reason for the benedictions of blessing. That's the reason for thanks. That's the reason why there is joy to the world. The Lord has come. The Lord has come. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings known. Far as the curse is found. That's what the leaping's all about. Whether you're looking here at Luke 1 or Acts 3 or that passage in Acts 14. The King and Savior has arrived to deliver, to save, to change people's lives, to take curse away and to bring blessing in its stead, to take away chaos from people's lives because they don't know the Savior, and restore order because they do. To take away sin, to bring righteousness, to take away turmoil and bring peace, to give people, by the power of His Spirit, reason, grounded reason, inspired reason for praise. His coming is worth leaping for joy. And it's not just for people who at one time could not leap, but for all those who have come to know the joy of Christ's arrival and what that means for them when they receive His saving and renewing in faith. When we've known that change, when we've known that transformation, when we've known that blessing, we see that He is indeed worthy of our joy and our praise, because He's done great things for us, wherefore we are glad. There's good news then. In the midst of the bad that sin portrays, and that is portrayed in sinners such as we are. While we have life and breath, we need to find our solace and our joy not in our sinful way, or that of the rest of humanity. And not to let our life get dictated by that. But in the sinless ways of our Christ. To focus there. Who has come to take away curse. In lives such as ours. And from the world which belongs to him. And which in his return he'll make altogether new. 
the greatest change of all. That joy is a godly response. Considering that the one mothered by Mary is the only one who is able to accomplish this renewal of our lives and rid the world of sin's effect. And that's why Elizabeth, by the presence of God's Spirit, would say, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Joy, you see, is the response to this arrival promised long. Joy is the godly response of any of us who have come to see Christ's arrival as that which has changed our lives unto salvation as well. Because Christ has indeed come for that very salvation and for that very change. And if we have known that change, we have reason, don't we? Give joyful praise to our God. We focus on Christ and His righteousness as opposed to the sinfulness of the world or our own sinfulness for that matter. We also see humble amazement here, don't we? Why am I so favored to have the mother of my Lord come to me? Why am I so favored? Anyone who has come to be associated with the coming salvation of Jesus Christ in faith asks that very same question and asks it often. Why am I so favored? Who am I to receive that kind of a privilege by the saving plans of the Lord? Meditating on the grace and sovereignty of the Lord is a humbling experience. It's a wonder-filled experience. But it's also a godly response. Those who respond to Christ's arrival in these ways do so because they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Being so filled is something that in Old Testament times was tied to the glory of the Lord filling the tabernacle and the temple. But in these New Testament times, that filling is directed to God's people. It's a glorious act of grace which enables a person to, to see things plainly and, and humbly as, as God in His grace illumines His own to see things in the proper light. When we consider both the grace that allows us to be known by Christ and to know Christ as both Savior and King, it's a humbling experience. Why should Elizabeth be so privileged? We didn't see the mother of the Lord like Elizabeth did. But when we've come to know grace, is there any less of a reason to ask and respond like Elizabeth did? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It's a humbling reality. And it makes such a difference, doesn't it? in how we approach everything and everybody. Doesn't it? It puts us in our place, to be sure, and it impacts the way that we deal with each other. And in the very praise, of course, that we give to the God who has done marvelous things for us. The more humbled we are by what he's done, the greater the praise that we'll give. And finally, we see the response of blessed faith in our passage because she also says, Elizabeth does, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment 
of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed are you who believe. There's three aspects of faith that we see here. First, that faith is a is first of all gift, so that we take no boasting upon ourselves for believing. It's not because we're so smart, it's not because we're in the right kind of bloodline. It's a gift. Anybody who believes is blessed for that very reason that what is impossible for us is possible with God. It's also an advantage, faith is. Blessed are you who have believed. If I'm blessed for believing, then I am at an advantage that way. I'm at an advantage to those who have not believed. Sometimes we like to think that unbelief is much more appealing much more liberating, much more advantageous because of what seems to be a a life worthy of envy. Oh, if I could only be like those people, they just got it made. They can do what they want, when they want, where they want. Do they believe? No, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at their unbelief. I'm looking at their, their liberated life. But Scripture doesn't portray, portray unbelief like that. For those who believe are the people who are counting on the word of the Lord that will never fail. Unbelief will always fail. Unbelief is is not based on the one who can do more than all all we can ask or imagine. Unbelief is based on on ourselves who's, who's here today and gone tomorrow. Not the word of the Lord that endures forever. And every one of us in all the world will all be better off, indeed blessed, if we're a people whose trust remains in the gospel word of Jesus Christ. Joy to the world! See it! Believe it! You're better off for it. Because that word will never disappoint you. It didn't disappoint Mary, and it doesn't for anybody who comes to see that God accomplishes exactly what he sets out to do. And finally, faith is also what's appropriate. We, we should not consider Christian faith as this take-it-or-leave-it commodity. Right? It's, one of the, it's one of the different pies on the cafeteria tray. One of the different plates that you can have for dinner. Christian faith is appropriate. Unbelief is inappropriate. Zechariah's unbelief was viewed as inappropriate. And to fall for the devil's temptation that God's promises will will fail or that his word isn't worthy of our attention is not appropriate. Faith is the appropriate response, the godly response. It's the response of Mary, of Elizabeth. And it's to be the response of, of everyone to the gospel promises of Jesus Christ, whether it's the first time they've ever heard it or whether they heard it a multitude of times. And, and it's sad to say that, that, you know, some who hear it often, and when things get tough, it would seem that that toughness then is a reason for unbelief. And yet it's in those tough times, isn't it, that when faith is most needed, and faith is to be most prized and embraced, and how often don't we hear that from people, right? They're in the midst of their hardships, and they talk to you, they talk to me, and they say, where would I be without my faith? And they're not sitting there living it up. They're sitting there facing 
medical issues that are very critical. And I oftentimes marvel at how some of those people in the midst of their physical weakness are so spiritually strong. But those are people that realize that faith is most prized and most valued in those trying and tough situations. Well, when Christ arrived at the home of Elizabeth, there was reason for joy, for humility and wonder, and for encouragement to see that believing in the word of the Lord is worth it. It's worth it all. And the reason for it was because Christ had arrived just as God had promised to save and to rule forever. And that's good news for anyone who knows it. And when by grace we have come to see that kind of good news as ours, well, we may wonder why us. But we need not question how wonderful it is that Christ has come to save us, to rule us, and to give us reason to trust him in all things according to his covenant promise. Let's just be glad that it's so. Joy to the world. The Lord is coming. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you remind us and assure us again here in this portion of your word that in the coming of Christ, there is great transformation. There is reason for joy and gladness. And that is because of what Christ has come to change. He's come to take the bad news away and bring the gospel, to bring the good news, to take away our curse, to take away our sorrows, to make all things new, to change our hearts, to give us a different perspective on ourselves and upon you, so that we would exalt you and humble ourselves, rather than exalt ourselves and seek to bring humiliation and curse your way. Oh, Father, we're grateful when we could see it in our own lives, the change that you've made. And the reason why there is, even in the trying times, to rest upon you and to find that there is reason for peace, there's reason for joy, there's reason for thanksgiving, even in the trying times. Because Christ has come, and he'll come again, and he'll make things so new, like we've never seen it. And in the meantime, Lord, let's, may you help us to see the changes already in ourselves. May we repent of our sins. May we turn to God. May we turn to Christ. May we rest not on ourselves, but on the finished work of the coming Christ long ago. May you accept our prayer for Jesus.